Welcome to another episode of the golf.com podcast. I am your host, Sean Zock, and today we're going to talk about golf course architecture. It's a broad yet fascinating topic for a lot of golfers out there, especially the pros who get to play the most extravagant and challenging golf courses in the world. One of those pros is Zach Blair. He's a tour sophomore from Utah, who I think I can rightfully describe as a bit of a golf nut, but in a very good way. Zach turns 26 this Saturday, which is pretty young for tour players, and he's already knee-deep in a little side project of designing a golf course of his own. What were you doing at 26 years old? Probably smaller projects than building a championship golf course. Thankfully, we got Zach on the phone, and he was able to find enough off-course time, which is not that much in his busy schedule, to talk about course design with us. Zach, thanks for the time. Happy early birthday. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. So, uh, how are you celebrating this weekend? I can kind of assume you're probably playing some golf. Yeah, we uh, took a little trip up to uh, New York, a couple courses uh, around here, so it's been pretty awesome. How? What have you played so far? Played Pipe and Rock yesterday and uh, heading over to Garden City Club uh, in a couple hours. Okay, okay, not bad. Now, I know you... Uh, you're the sixth tour pro that we've had come on the podcast and we could have you come on and discuss your tour season and how you feel before the playoffs and all that stuff. But I don't really want to do that because I think you're unique. You're crazy about golf courses. And, uh, it's pretty clear when you follow Zach Blair on Twitter that golf courses are one of your biggest hobbies. What is it about golf courses that fascinates you so much? I mean, honestly, I think I'm just a huge golf fan in general and uh you know i'm pretty fortunate to be able to go play some of the uh, best courses in the world which uh, is pretty awesome to do so i think i've just kind of developed a love you know great golf courses and good golf course architecture and it's been pretty fun to see how it's uh kind of developed over the last you know five or ten years yeah now i remember not that long ago after you missed the cut at baltus roll you jetted off to play essex county Country Club uh, nearby in New Jersey, and then Yale Club after that. You just don't really stop playing, do you? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm going to be golfing one way or another, so I like to definitely go, uh, you know, check out the good places around town um, if I can. So, yeah, those were two pretty sweet spots. Uh, Yale was pretty incredible, and uh, Essex was was awesome too. Yeah, you know, at at golf.com, we play Essex. We've got a couple members on staff we play Essex quite a bit, actually. What's your favorite hole out there? Yeah, I well, it was it rained that day, so we only got to play nine holes. We played the front nine, but I made a hole in one on nine, my last hole of the day, and uh, so that was pretty cool. Kind of a little walk off hole in one. Oh, it was too bad I didn't get to finish the round, but <laughs> yeah, I'd probably go with that one as my favorite. <laughs> yeah. Now the ninth, the ninth hole at Essex is this. Uh, it's par three, obviously, and. It's a little bit uphill. I'm not sure how what tees you played. You probably played the back tees. It's basically all carry to the green. So what did you hit on that? Yeah, hole? it was a little. You know, the storm was coming in, and it was a little into the wind. Back left in, hit a five iron. I don't know. It was like 179, 180 yards or something like that. And uh, you know, ended up going in, which was pretty sweet. Yeah. What what number hole in one is that for your your career? Uh, my ninth. Oh wow. Jeez. All right. Well, I've got zero, so we're still trying to get number one over here in my book. Uh, do you realize that you've played more tour events than anybody this year? 
Yeah, it's probably pretty close. I like to play a lot. Um, you know, probably played maybe a couple more weeks than I should. Probably should get a little bit of rest, but you know, I, I enjoy it. I'm still young. You know, got a great wife that travels with me every week, so it's pretty awesome. Yeah, you and Peter Malnati have both played 30 tour events this year, which is tops on tour. I always love looking at that stat because it, it kind of. I know last year I think Danny Lee led the the tour in events. It just kind of goes to show the guys that are like, just they want to stay hot, they want to stay fresh, they don't want to take a couple weeks off, they don't need to take a couple weeks off. So I know you you talked about your wife, and uh, you mentioned her in your Twitter bio. She obviously joins you on a lot of your travels, but also within that within that the Twitter bio, there's a couple of things. It says uh, laser beams and blow snakes. Can you tell me what the heck laser beams and blow snakes are? Um, it's kind of an inside joke. A couple, you know, I had a couple friends growing up that, uh, you know, hit the ball really good. And, you know, we'd always kind of joke like, man, you always hit it. Like you always hitting laser beams, you know, like right at the flag. And then, uh, the blow snakes was, uh, something that same thing, kind of an inside joke that my dad would always call like a long putt when I was growing up, a blow snake. <laughs> so I figure if you can uh, hit it right at the flag and then make the long putts, you know, laser beams and blow snakes, you're going to play pretty good. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I like that. Uh, all right. Now we talked about Essex, which you played after Baltus Rawl. I'm curious to get your opinion on Baltus Rawl, the golf course. Uh, would you say great course, decent course, or a lame course? Baltusrol, I loved it. Uh, yeah, I thought it was unbelievable. You know, a really good, um, like, championship tournament course. You know, when you talk to a lot of the members out there, they always tell you, yeah, you know, the lower is a great course, but anytime you know, the members go out for a game, they're going to go up to the upper because it's, you know, a little bit different variety of, of holes, and uh, you're going to have a little bit more fun where the uh, lower is just, you know, you're going to get 18 really solid holes that are tough. So, uh, but but I, I really enjoyed it. I don't know too many people in the field that uh, didn't like it. Okay, because I, I think that that was generally the, the tour mindset. I think people that don't get to play that course all the time, they watch the event on TV and they're like, wow, you know, the holes, I don't know, five or six through 12, you kind of get lost and they don't, they don't seem to look all that different on, you know, on TV. Yeah, yeah, there's not a lot of, uh, there's not a lot of, I don't know what you would, you know, you can't really say they're not memorable holes or not picturesque because they're all amazing holes, but you know, they're all just like championship style, just hard par fours. Not a lot of water or hazards that come into play. You know, there's not an ocean or anything like that around there. So you're not going to get those amazing views, but, uh, you know, I, I heard a lot of people say that, that, uh, don't really you know know too much about golf or follow it that much they go well all the holes are like 470 par fours like straight away and i was like yeah that's what a, you know a really good hole is <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh i think it's tough when you i mean last year the pga was at whistling straights and i don't know if you've ever been out there but especially during the event last year it was per- just about perfect weather for most of the tournament. It's uh, Lake Michigan looked better than it, I think it ever has. That was about as picturesque as inland uh, America golf will get. And Jersey's yeah, actually sure. Jersey's a lot actually a lot closer to the ocean. And people, I think you just got to appreciate you got to appreciate each course for what it, it's actually capable of looking like. And exactly, yeah, for sure. 
Um, but not, not too far from Baltus Rawl, there's another course I wanted to get your opinion on, uh, is, is Oakmont. Um, it came during a t- I mean, it's a, it's a brutal course and it's difficult and certain players, I know Charlie Hoffman kind of sounded off and said that the conditions are so difficult and it obviously was difficult, but do you think it's too difficult? How did you feel about Oakmont? Well, I didn't play the U.S. Open there this year, but I've played Oakmont, you know, a handful of times. And, I mean, that's another course that I really love. I, I love it because it's so challenging and, you know, you're going to get amazing conditions all the time. The greens are going to be perfect, you know, and fast. But, uh, you know, I, didn't, I can't really say too much because I, I didn't play it this year. Yeah, but I mean, I, I love that place. It's definitely one of my favorite golf courses. Yeah, I know the the reason I wanted to just ask you about it is because people say that regardless of when you play it, you know, Oakmont could generally turn around uh, within a week or a weekend and, and host a U.S. Open. That's what that's For what sure. the, the rumor goes. So, what what is it about that golf course that is unlike any other? I mean, the green complexes out there are pretty spectacular. You know, the inside joke at that place is the only thing they got to do to host a U.S. Open is have a week's notice so they can slow down the greens. <laughs> so, you know, you know, having said that, I mean, both the times I played it, it was absolutely perfect. You know, it, it felt like a U.S. Open. It's extremely challenging. You know, if you keep the ball in the fairways and, you know, get it on the greens, you get fair looks at birdies. You know, there are plenty of short holes out there um, mm-hmm. where you can score if you hit it in the right spot. But as soon as you miss a shot out there, you're in a lot of trouble, whether it's off the tee or into the green. It's uh, very difficult and very penal. Yeah, and DJ. Which is why I think it's an amazing U.S. Open course. But when you, when you look at a course uh, as far as a championship, do you think about, in regards to par, do you think like – four or eight under should be the, the, the winning score. Does it matter? Do the tour players really care about that? I don't think too much. I mean, it all depends on, a, on conditions. I mean, you saw at Oakmont when it was wet, those first few rounds, guys were, you know, eating it up. They were playing good. And, you know, as soon as it dried out, even just a little bit, scores, you know, tended to go up a lot higher. So, I mean, I don't think anybody really cares as long as, you know, the course is set up nicely and uh, it's on a championship track. I think uh, whatever wins kind of is up to how people play. I'm going to pause for one quick moment from the golf course talk to talk about the Olympics. Those are still going on. We just had Justin Rose win the gold for the men. The ladies are going to tee off on Wednesday throughout the weekend. We'll find out who wins gold from their end. On our end here at Sports Illustrated, we have a special daily Olympics podcast that keeps you plugged into everything that's going on down in Rio. Alex Abnos and Mitch Goldich are staying up at all hours of the night. They're not getting a whole lot of sleep down there to deliver you some fresh episodes for every morning commute. These guys are working hard down there, but they're having way too much fun, and they show that within the podcast. You don't want to miss it. Just use your favorite podcast app and search Sports Illustrated at the games or visit si.com slash Olympics for all our coverage. And now back to golf. Now, the the word unfair or fair is the word that constantly gets used in interviews um, by players at the event, regardless of how well they've played. Well, I'm curious to what unfair means in your eyes. Um, when a, when, a, when to a tour player complains about it being, a course being unfair, the way it's been set up, 
does that generally mean one thing or or is it kind of case by case? I think it's case by case. Um, sometimes you get pin positions that are extremely difficult and, uh, you know, if the wind picks up or if the course dries out a lot. Um, but, I mean, I think one of the most unfair things is when you hit the ball in the fairway and it's, uh, you know, it's rained a lot or whatever, and you're at no advantage being in the fairway. Sometimes you can hit it right down the middle and have a huge mud ball because yeah. you're not going to get a lot of roll, and you, another person can hit it in the rough, and it's actually beneficial. I've had that out here, um, you know, a couple of times where it's just, but, but I mean, that's just Mother Nature, you know, that's how golf is, and it's, uh, I don't know, there are a lot of things in life that are unfair. <laughs> <laughs> So do you, so when you saw that they were going to play this Sunday uh, at the PGA, the final round at the PGA in uh, Lift Clean in Place, a lot of people, you know, throw out their back complaining about that. Not not really tour players as much as media. They want it, they want you know, they want an event to be played the same way the entire way. But you would say that that's just you got to deal with it because it, it can be unfair. Yeah, I mean that's the last thing you want to see is you know people hitting good shots and and having to deal with that much, um, you know, luck really. So, uh, it's a case by case thing. Like you said though earlier, it's just, it's just how the weather is that week. And you definitely want to put on the best tournament that you can. And sometimes that means playing with clean in place. I want to talk to you about your course, the buck club. And for anyone who doesn't know, I, I'd like you to see if you could explain in a few words, exactly what the buck club is. Yeah, I mean, it's a course that uh, I would love to, you know, build in the future and uh, just a place that kind of touches on the golden age of architecture, uh, kind of the stuff like C.B. McDonald and Seth Rayner, big, big, huge fans of their courses and uh, just a cool place that you can go out and play a nice round of golf and not be in too, uh, too much of a stuffy atmosphere. Is it possible to have a course that is easy, easy going, uh, not easy, but easy going kind of atmosphere and have amateurs like myself go out there and, and try to get around, but also at the same time be challenging to some of the better players in the world? Is that possible? Because I, I think that's tough. Yeah, I definitely think it's possible. You just have to do it the right way. I mean, every single... Um, every case is different, you know, but I mean, that's what I like to do. I like to go out and play these courses around the country that are, um, you know, some of those better courses that are the style that I would like to see at that course. And I kind of just take bits and pieces from every place I play. And, uh, you know, cause I, I play with people that, that aren't pro golfers. I got a bunch of friends that, you know, are, are, are not that great. And I, I'll go play out with them at courses, you know, and see what they like and see what makes a round of golf fun for them. And I definitely want to make a place that, you know, uh, anybody that is there can get around and have a good time. So I feel and like, enjoy it. Yeah. So I feel like you're kind of doing this gigantic scouting trip of sorts that is like year by year. And you're, you're kind of building up this, this repertoire uh, or this this pocketbook of, of little bits and pieces of courses. What which, exactly? Yep. What like is there a certain course or certain designer that 
is your favorite that you would you would probably use as most inspiration for the Buck Club? Yeah, CB McDonald and Seth Rayner for sure. They uh, you know they use a lot of the template holes. Um, you know they got generally pretty wide fairways. There's definitely always a way. You know you can get to the hole. You don't have a lot of forced carries, and uh, you're not going to lose a lot of golf balls at their courses. And you know big greens, everyone can putt them. And uh, I- I've always really enjoyed the courses by those designers that I've played. To be honest, when, now when you say template holes for for people who don't, under, don't understand what that means, what what is a template hole? Um, so like CB McDonald started it. He he traveled over to you know Scotland and picked out a list of the best golf holes that he thought were over over there and you know they're just a list of holes like a redan hole uh that's like you know a par three a Beeritz green um an eden hole the alps hole they're just a, a a you know a big list of holes that uh he kind of would incorporate at each of his courses and you know, to the trained eye, they're all very similar, but at the same time, each, uh, each one that he built at each different course was different. So, um, they're just, uh, I mean, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's just a template <laughs> of, yeah. of a whole. Yeah. 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 So you're going to be 26 this weekend. Um, when did you first think that you wanted to, to create the buck club? Now I don't want people to think that they can go play the buck club right now because it's a prospective course right now it's something you're working on you'll continue to work on but when did you first start thinking about doing this i think probably in uh, college is when i got serious about it um always thought of having a great place for the byu team to go play um and just thought it would be something fun along the way to have a great course in utah you know i'm from utah and we really just don't have a real classic old school course. And that was really when it came about and thought, you know what, I need to do this for uh, all the golfers, you know, all the people in Utah that really love the game. So that's kind of when it started. I like that. Um, I think when you look at the, the best courses in America, say, you go, you got your California West Coast courses, when you think of, of like, NorCal golf, you think of Pebble and a various number of San Francisco area courses and you go Pacific West, people start talking about Bandon Dunes. I know from where I'm from, Wisconsin, people talk about certain courses, but I, I, can, I can totally imagine that from your perspective, when people on a national scale talk about Utah golf, they don't have a course to pinpoint. Yeah, yeah, we really don't, which is, you know, that was kind of one of the uh, driving factors to kind of get this thing at least started and off the ground so people would at least know about it. Yeah. Now, uh, the course, the Buck Club, uh, it has a Twitter account. That's basically the one spot online, I think, that you can kind of find information about it. Uh, You can see sketches of the holes. You're doing these sketches, aren't you? Yeah, I do them all. That uh, I think that's really cool. I think think a lot of people would be intrigued by the sketches because if you look online, it's, it's at the Buck Club. You see just how in depth it it really takes um, as far as sketches go to create a golf course, and you you studied recreation management at BYU. Uh, how mm-hmm. much how much has uh, has that major like helped you? 
You know, more than anything, I think, you know, my dad's involved in it. He's been involved with uh, golf courses and just the golf industry, uh, you know, for a long time. He has a lot to do with, you know, renovating golf courses and managing golf courses. So it's just something that I think I kind of grew up uh, watching him do and kind of being a part of and seeing all of it happen. And I was like, yeah, I want to do what my dad does. So I just copied him, you know, he would draw and I would act like I was drawing golf courses and, you know, it just got better kind of over the years. I'm going to pause one more time real quick for another podcast recommendation. It's the campus rush podcast, formerly known as the SI college football podcast, but now with new co-host Andy Staples, a longtime football writer here on the college ranks at SI. He's joined by Lindsay Schnell. They'll have interviews, opinions, and check-ins on campus to keep listeners in touch with all the top stories in college football. And especially if you know Andy Staples, some of his hobbies, you can count on some excellent barbecue recommendations from all over the college football landscape. Search for Campus Rush Podcast on your favorite app or visit si.com slash podcast for the entire network. And now back to Zach Blair. How far along in the process would you say that you guys are? Um, I mean, it's tough to say. I mean, if, if the right things happened, you know, I think it could get going pretty quick and, and be ready to play, you know, faster than people think. But at the same time, it just kind of depends on if those things fall into the right place. And, uh, but who knows really, (laughs) it's just something that I like to, uh, you know, do as a hobby and hopefully it happens sooner rather than later. If you walked along the driving range at a tour event, and you started talking about the Buck Club. How many tour players are interested, and do they like talking to you about that stuff? A couple, you know, a couple people do. Um, Anyone in particular that really likes it? You know, I've had Peter Malnati um, talk to me a little bit. Um, Had Ernie Ells talk to me a couple times about it. Um, You know, a couple people said they liked the name or they liked the logo and stuff like that, but... You know, out there, I don't try and bug too many people about it. If they have something they want to talk about, you know, I'm, I'm there to listen. But if not, I don't bring it up too much. Yeah. I'm just curious if, if going out there has helped you at all in terms of, like, getting feedback on what tour pros actually really like in a golf course. No, honestly, no. I mean, I don't really. Yeah. Yeah, not really, honestly. I kind of have an idea of how I want it. Mm-hmm. I've talked to people that, you know, really know a lot about it and, you know, a couple of players here and there, but I've not really talked to too many people out there in depth about it. Yeah. Now you've, you've mentioned the logo. Uh, I see on the Twitter feed, you can, you've got logoed belts, you've got logoed hats. Uh, how does someone get their hands on a buck club hat? Got to know the right people. (laughs) (laughs) No, we got a, you know, me and my friends have a few. Um, there's not too many, but uh, we've made a few, and I, I don't really know. It's tough to say. Um, honestly, it's just kind of lucky. I'll give them out. I'll give them out in Twitter giveaways every once in a while, and just kind of people I know. Yeah, but well, uh, who knows, really? I can think of a couple people at Golf.com that would be interested. Uh, but anyways, before you go, a couple real quick questions. Uh, I'm curious if you could if you could rank your top three courses you've played in your life. What what would be in the top three? 
Oh man, it's pretty tough to to put three. I definitely have to put Pine Valley in there. Um, Cypress is pretty unbelievable, and probably Fisher's Island. Okay, now I don't know. Actually, Chicago Golf Club is pretty great too. Uh, tough three is pretty tough. Okay, so, <laughs> so when you look at those four you named, like what is what was so special about those courses in your eyes? Um, the architecture at all three of them is pretty special. Um, obviously, you got the great views as well at places like Fisher's Island and Cyprus, and you know the other two, Chicago and Pine Valley. You know, there's nothing crazy special about the uh, location, but the the holes in general are just pretty amazing. Do, are there three courses that you haven't played in your life that you're dying to play that are there at the top of your wish list? Um, Augusta, um, Royal County Down in Scotland, and ooh, another one I've wanted to play for a long time is Myopia Hunt up in Boston. Okay. Looks pretty awesome. Now you're out east. Is there any chance you'll get out to uh, another couple courses before before Bethpage at the Barclays? Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. I got a pretty good lineup this week. Playing National, Shinnecock, um, Friars Head, and Maidstone the next few days. So um, wow. those are definitely courses that I would have named on the list, but. Looks like I'm going to play him in the next few days, so Jeez. I'm pretty excited. You're going to go crush Long Island, and I'm incredibly jealous. Uh, that's awesome. Well, we can leave it at that. Thank you, Zach, uh, for joining us. Yeah, of course. Thank you, guys. One of his favorite topics, golf course architecture. It's, a, it's something that every golf fan should definitely do a little bit of investigation into. The Buck Club itself, but also golf course architecture, because we go and play all these courses – we see all these different par threes, different looking par fours, crazy looking par fives. And a lot of times they, they'll blend together and you don't really know what goes all into the process of designing the course. You can see a lot of that in Gil Hans's design at the Olympic golf course that you'll see on TV this weekend. You saw it on TV last weekend when the men were playing. It's a great course down there in Rio and it kind of came up out of nowhere for the purpose of the Olympics. Thank you to you for listening as well. Um, if you want to track the progress of Zach and his course, The Buck Club, I'd follow him on Twitter at Z underscore Blair, as well as the golf course at The Buck Club. For now, Zach has other work to do on the FedEx Cup playoffs, and it sounds like he has plenty of work to do on literally the greatest lineup of courses in Long Island. Until next time, I'm your host, Sean Zach. <laughs>